0: Hello, and welcome to Culture Dumps. It's me, Ryan Lichten, and today I'm with Parks Miller. And we have a very interesting and requested dump here. I can't remember the name of the guy that sent us an email asking us to do MTV Spring Break. But this was one that was been on our list for a long time, ever since Podcast 99. And we're going to do a broader thing. You know, today's dump is just Spring Break.
1: Spring Break. Because, yeah, I mean... And yet, spring break still happens but it's worthy of a dump yeah because
0: it's you gross know. like and, and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and not spring break in like the sense of like you getting time off from school like spring break as in like the cultural like revolution of partying yes. for an allotted
1: time right and i mean like obviously spring break is as a thing as a big thing is going to happen for a long time to come. Right. Uh, but, it, you know, it didn't happen, you know, it hasn't been around as long as school has been, you know? <laughs> so it, it is a it is a relatively new thing. In that I'm saying it's it's relatively new. I mean, what? 60s, 70s maybe? I mean... No, well, uh, well, we'll, we'll get into all that. We'll get, no, it we'll goes all it, the way back like, to
0: ADBC shit, dude.
1: <laughs> but, but, I mean, in terms of just... Yeah no I and I saw your outline I, I you're gonna take it to a deep a deep place but there's there's certainly like a modern uh there, yeah. vision interpretation of what spring yeah, break is that I feel like really only goes Rome. back as far as the 80s yes, for, yeah. for the modern spring break and it's a dump because now. I have no fucking desire to ever be a part of us a, a quote unquote spring break ever again. And I would, you know, even if you want to party or do wild debaucherous right. things, I still just think if you are if you're past that age and you still want that, then there's there's something wrong with you're you. You're like Matthew McConaughey um, in Days and yeah, Confused. Yeah.
0: You're, you know, good thing about girls at spring break kind of a thing.
1: It's, it's a yeah, it's a dump within ourselves,
0: right? That's so for sure. basically you know, in this episode, folks, it's it's a very special episode. A lot of you are going to be very excited about this because Parks and I are going to go through the history of Spring Break and why it's a dump and all that. But then the next, the second half of this episode, which is going to be a long one, is an interview that I did with someone uh, that played a big role in 2001 Spring Break. But we will get to that. So why is Spring Break a culture dump? Well, it's a manufactured rite of passage for millions upon millions of young people. There's an entire industry built around dreams of a vacation of a lifetime living life to its fullest letting go of all inhibitions and blowing off steam from your seemingly complicated and stressful young life Uh, which like isn't necessarily even a thing
1: but there's also well hey you know i gotta say though if you're in college you're studying a lot stressful you know the pressures of keep maintaining your grades you know the whole idea is that i mean this is don't fuck this up because this is how you're supposed to this is it you know not work not flip burgers and everyone wants to talk about flipping burgers and so it's kind of seen as this whole thing is like this is what this is how you break away and you you get a yes. a, a respectable job for the rest of your life so there is, there is a there's a pressure with yeah college.
0: there's definitely pressure and like with spring break it's kind of like this like deserved party, you know, where uh, the majority of people that participate in spring break in the sense that we're talking about it. Yeah. are college students. And yes, there is a a certain amount of stress that goes along with that. That would lead you to believe that when you go to spring break, you're allowed to do whatever you want because you worked for it. But it's an incredibly negative event at its core. It's super toxic and problematic by any era standard, but it's still a pop culture phenomenon. So, uh, you know, in order to do spring break properly i'm going to uh drink some fireball which is the most disgusting alcohol ever (laughs) but it's a it's a spring break staple so um any mistakes made i'm blaming on this (laughs) single shot of fireball (laughs) that i'm gonna take blame it
1: on the alcohol yeah so here we go uh, jamie fox once said and he just he downed some fireball and uh i you know i wish i hadn't For some reason, I had this bottle of blue curacao in my uh, pantry that I just, I don't know how it ended up there, Uh, but I I just, I dumped it. I'm I'm moving. Uh, So I I definitely deemed that was not going to make it to the move, but I kind of wish I had saved a little.
0: (laughs) A a little bit of (laughs) blue liqueur. Yeah. So let's get into it. This is going to be a very brief history of spring break. I'm going to, I'm going to gloss over a lot of stuff here, but. The idea of spring break dates back to ancient times. While now, spring break generally refers to the two to three, sometimes even four weeks off from school at the start of the spring season, the concept of taking time off of work or schooling to party and relax for a designated amount of time has its roots in ancient Greece and Rome. The Dionysian Mysteries, for example. These were a series of rituals participated in by most everyone in these early cities, but mainly by those who worked the hardest with the smallest amount of appreciation this is like you know slaves non-citizens students and the ritual's intent was to return a person to their most natural and uninhibited state and this was accomplished through music dance and tons of wine so
1: so, wait so so ancient roman slaves had a they had like a vacation
0: yeah they had spring break essentially i mean i you know and this makes it sound a lot glossier than than it probably was but yes in a sense it was a it was a time that yes, like the the highest people up in society were able to participate, but it was mainly something celebrated and really appreciated by those who lived a life full of hard work, full of underappreciation. This was the time that they were able to let loose and be encouraged to do so
1: through right. well, those, wine. Yeah, those uh, emperors and shit were doing devious, crazy party moves, oh, com- you know, whenever yeah. they felt like it. it know, they it, didn't exactly. have to earn it.
0: it. Exactly. But there's another predecessor to spring break as we know it, and that's the multicultural tradition of carnival. In medieval times, for instance, carnival would take place between Christmas and the beginning of Lent, the idea being that you would commit carnal sins and unleash your wildest self in preparation for Lent, where you would then deprive yourself of these earthly pleasures and confess your sins in order to start fresh. Obviously, there's carnival in South America as well. It's a whole the different carnival- thing. Carnival all, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mardi Gras with like Fat Tuesday, that that's all kind of under the umbrella of a spring break, a time where you are expected to let loose to the extent that for the rest of the year, you're going to keep it together.
1: It's like that movie, The Purge, right? You, you, yeah. get, the, you get the bad out and then that hopefully theoretically, I guess, then you're going to act good the rest of the year. Yeah, you make up for it the, the rest
0: of the year. Now, while the ancient origins of spring break share some characteristics with the spring break of today, it really came into its own in the early 1900s. In 1935, the coach of the Colgate University swim team took his team to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for a vacation during the allotted time off from school that was given to students at the start of spring. The swim team brought along their friends who were not on the team, and the first Fort Lauderdale Spring Break party was had. The mass pilgrimage of students to Florida for spring break quickly became an annual event with thousands and thousands of students from all over the country flooding the beaches with hopes of strong drink and available sex. The multi-week long party grew to mythological status in 1960 with the release of author Glendon Swarthouse novel, Where the Boys Are. The book, followed the experiences of a group of female college students at their first Florida spring break, and the book was turned into a popular film by the same title, and the film's theme song, sung by Connie Francis, who was also in the film, became the war cry of young women across the country ready to explore their sexuality and enter into young adulthood. Now, this film, Where Mm -hmm. the Boys Are, is super important because it was kind of the first to explore young sexuality, but also from a female's perspective, where it's like, no, girls are going... To Florida to hunt for boys, you know. Whereas the narrative is always boys going to get girls, and that's generally still to this day what it's considered. More
1: how, yeah,
0: right. You know, but the song, which is a classic song, it it follows the same themes, and it and it became yeah again a war cry of of spring break, you know and. There's also this like apparent decline in morality among American youth that's like involved in the whole theme of the book and the film. But what it did most importantly was galvanized Fort Lauderdale as the premier destination for spring break. Now, with spring break growing and growing, other cities across the country began throwing their own yearly springtime events in order to gain some of that sweet, sweet college kid party money. In 1975, John McGuire of Metairie, Louisiana, hosted the very first wet t-shirt contest, and spring break was never the same. Spring break wow, quit. so a legend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, a legend for all a the po- wrong a true reasons. true pioneer. But also, you know, props to uh, the journalists that were able to track down that guy (laughs) and like pinpoint Uh the very first recorded uh, wet t-shirt contest. But spring break quickly grew out of its youthful curiosity phase and became the sexually exploitative alcohol field chaos that captured the minds of young men and women alike but mostly young men. Now with that first wet t-shirt contest, the prize money was 75 bucks. And there was women that were turned away because they were known around town as working at the local, you know, strip clubs. And they're like, Hey, this is an amateur contest. Like you do this shit. Mm. Like you, you take off clothes for money all the time. This isn't for you again, kind of putting in the anything goes it's spring break. Let your wild self go. Uh, It's just during spring break. It's kind of like the Vegas thing. Like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, you know, where it's like, they don't, they're not gonna hire or even entertain the idea of having quote unquote professional naked ladies at these things. The whole idea is that it could be it's anyone's game, you know? Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that kinda huh. creates the the whole you know, thing. Whereas before, it was an innocent series of parties to blow off steam, built up from school, and it turns it into like a sexual rite of passage where those who didn't get laid failed. And this, you know, the monster that this mentality created can be seen in the twenty seventeen documentary "Liberated: The New Sexual Revolution," which is on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen and, uh, it, but it's
1: no, I haven't. Heinous, seen it. it's heinous. We, you know we we kind of discussed uh, you know in uh, well on uh, one of our Patreon. Squirts, But the the whole, the titty comedy, American Pie, a huge um, main driving point of the plot is that if you don't have sex before you graduate from high school, you are forever branded a loser. So right. You exactly. You see it, the theme repeated for so, sure.
0: Yes. And you, so you see it where at spring break, we're like, well, dude, it's spring break. There's like wet t-shirt contests. Everyone's wasted. Like, if you can't get laid here, you're a loser. You know, and that puts... Mm-hmm you know, weak-minded men into a position where, like, I need to do this or else I won't have the approval of my I, peers. Yeah. And, and we know this,
1: that's bad. You're kind of adding, uh, oh, at, at at any cost, and then you add alcohol. Right. So uh, it's a bad combination.
0: Right. And it, it's kind of in in, like, the in the same ranks as say Woodstock 99 you know where you know the the whole idea of the original Woodstock and the reputation it had in generations afterwards was well it's free love it's people having sex and walking around naked everywhere so with Woodstock 99 you had a bunch of modern day bros being like well that happens there so it must happen to me and you see all the terrible things that that started So the legend of spring break reached new heights in 1986 when MTV hosted its very first spring break event in Daytona Beach, Florida, which featured live performances from the Beastie Boys, Starship and Mr. Mister. I would skip the latter of the two and just probably see Beastie Boys and then go get like a slushed daiquiri.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't really want to. I mean, but Starship. I mean, that's the Jefferson Starship who changed their name to Starship. Is Right. It?
0: Yeah. Well. No. Well. They. That's gotta we be. They can't. This city.
1: That's yeah. Starship. That's. So I mean. Yeah. That. But that was members of the Jefferson airplane who then ch- went to Jefferson's Starship and then Starship. So I mean.
2: What are that they doing? It's really at funny.
1: <laughs> what are they? They're doing? too old. <laughs> oh freaking... my god I mean there had to have been some real like what the fuck am I doing here like I I played at Woodstock and now I'm like or not fucking... you know because
0: like I think the tendency well,
1: uh, yeah they were they were fighting for relevancy for sure
0: yeah well when you're in a rock band that big it's like like you get older it's kind of, again, the days and confusing. It's like the bands are getting older, but the crowds are still kids. They're still playing to like unruly crowds of drugged out drunk kids, you know, so they might not even realize how like uh, not a good fit they were because they're just that's what the audience always looks like to them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that's kind of the thing. So the televised spring break brought to the masses visions of bikini bikini clad women, alcohol that flowed like uh, wine, (laughs) and an overall sense of what we now call FOMO. With this blueprint of the ideal college getaway, the aesthetic of spring break was now fully developed. If you Mm -hmm. read or watch any interviews with the original MTV VJs, when they talk about spring break, it's like, It was the most not-put-together, put-together thing ever. Like, they obviously had a stage where the acts were going to play. It was going to be televised. But for the most part, they were winging everything. And when you go back and watch these MTV Spring Breaks, the majority of the footage is like... Oh, let's do like a contest where like, okay, male and female couples like run out into the ocean and you have to change clothes, you know, or it's like, oh, body shots or like, you know, again, wet t-shirt contest, like whatever they could do to fill up the time in between the acts. And this is just anyone that isn't at spring break, you know, say you're in fucking like Idaho and you're watching this now in your head, it's like next year we're going,
1: you know. of yeah. when you're not in school, but f- there was a huge emphasis on Florida, any kind of southern beach. Yeah. Um
0: and with place. Florida. I mean, yeah,
1: Florida Florida especially.
0: Yeah, and, and that be- that's because of, you know, where the boys are. That that's where that and started. That, yeah. Also, and that's you know just
1: adding to the myth of of Florida of being this <laughs> yeah. wild, weird The, the promised the, land. The, the penis <laughs> peninsula of America, the little dangle the penis the hanging chad. Yeah. Mhm.
0: Yeah. Well, also, you know, drinking age at that point in time was 18. So, you like it was, you know, a much broader audience. You know, because by the time you're 21, if you if you follow the steps of uh average American life or like expected American life, by the time you're 21, you're maybe in your second or third year of college at this point, you know. So, it's like it's a much older crowd whereas 18 being the drinking age, we talked about this with um with, with what like four loco and shit it's like it's just fucking it, it's crazy or no no it was 10 cent beer night where the where the drinking age was what right. was 18. But that's because
1: that because that's because you're because uh, by the time you're 22 you know you're already uh four years into your factory job your <laughs> wife's got her third kid on the way yeah so.
0: it's over so in the you're late smoking 80s. cigars
1: every day you're dead by 65
0: <laughs> yeah you really don't have anything to worry about as long as you can keep the lights on So in the late 80s, Cancun, Mexico, was hit by a devastating hurricane. The city rebuilt itself as a spring break mecca, planning most of the city's economy and businesses around the few weeks a year that thousands of college students would invade the beach town in search of their spring break dream. That's very, very interesting. Also, uh, 1988 is a huge year for spring break because Lifestyles invented and released the first flavored condom, which was mint flavored. (laughs) Uh, No one wanted a mint flavored condom so then they created cherry, <laughs> banana, uh,
1: all these other flavors that no one wants. And then they made like the the chocolate, the like darker. Yeah, yeah, they, they, the they, darker looking condom, so you could yeah, <laughs> you could do with that it, <laughs> exactly. You and
0: you know what? No one cares about flavored condoms. Like no one's excited about those. And also, yeah, lifestyles. Uh, they also have, not only did they create the first flavored condom, but they also created the most like untrusted condom (laughs) right if someone pulls out a lifestyle ladies be very uh careful and boys too be careful but the thing with cancun being a spring break (laughs) mecca it's interesting that it was created to be what it is because just the word cancun brings up you know memories in your head of like oh yeah for americans Exactly, yep. that's mm-hmm. spring break So in 2003, MTV actually released a film Called The Real Cancun That I right. I have right. made everyone watch
1: <laughs> Yeah we No one take, likes we it stop. except for me We gotta me. slow up Okay, so last time I Or one of the most recent times I was out there visiting Ryan You know, we, we hang out We have a good time We do some stuff Ryan is a wealth of culture dump-esque knowledge And he was really pushing for this Cancun <laughs> film And we watched it and I fucking hated it because I just, I couldn't even get into the angle because it's, it's so raw in a way that, you know, Jersey Shore, they really figured out how to kind of exploit that trashiness into this kind of money-making machine. And to me, Cancun didn't even have it. So I'm just alternately just cringing or bored. And uh, I mean, good Lord. That movie is, I mean, it is something, if you're brave enough to go down there watch it, folks. and, and I, find it, I, I hated it. Uh, I'm glad that we're doing this instead of just that movie. Right. Because um, that was an but, original
0: idea was because I yeah, thought that that mm-hmm. was such a dump because, but it's one of those things where it's too much of a dump. Like no one would, too, would know about it. Yeah. But basically, now, but what what I, did...
1: I want to say, I want to say something about Cancun. So yeah. I, I've actually been to Cancun Woo! on spring break. Now, this is kind of because I, I know that we're going to approach this as, you know, we're in our 30s now. And I would never want to ever fucking ever be in a MTV Spring Break situation. But that's not to say that when I was of the age in high school that I I was completely bought and sold. And yeah. I absolutely It was my dream wanted. to
0: play at MTV yeah, Spring Break. Yeah, I
1: wanted yeah. to go. And so some friends of mine, we went on a is either carnival, I guess a carnival cruise, and it's like a week long and you just party on a cruise ship. Jesus, how and are you alive? I don't know. I mean, I just know that there was this entire process of checking the bags, but we had still managed to sneak in just multiple gallons of alcohol and <laughs> you're just on a fucking boat. I mean, well they I mean we called them handles and I don't know if they call them handles and California we 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 call call them handles handles. but but it's just a fucking (laughs) gallon so you take if everyone's got two in their bag I mean you're looking at like 12 gallons of the worst shitty booze and you go to the bar and you get some coke or some
0: excuse me sir can I please have an orange juice and they're just looking at you like what the fuck like how is this guy so wasted he's been drinking orange juice all night
1: (laughs) I went I was so drunk that I was briefly detained by security and I was held in some sort of holding cell. And I honestly don't remember what happened because I thought for sure that this was going to like lead to my arrest. (laughs) <laughs> but now looking back on it, they're probably this is probably something that they deal with all the time. They probably I probably was in there for a couple hours and then they realize, all right, whatever. He's not going to die. Let's get fucking rid of him. We don't care. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. So I was in there. But so what they do is you're just on this stupid fucking boat. And then you go to I think we went to. I can't remember the other place, but we went to Cancun and they drop you off in Cancun at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then they're like, the ship leaves at like four. So you have half <laughs> get of the nice day and drunk. Yeah. And there's just these bars there. And so people just get off this boat and start getting shit faced, and you have to make it back. And looking back on it, it's, it just seems like the shittiest thing. And it's so touristy and, I understand, like, why if you were a small town, why you would want to embrace it economically. Right. But it just, I just remember, even though my goal was to get as obliterated as possible, being like, I am not actually in Mexico. Like, this doesn't count as being in Mexico. I'm not getting a single fucking lick of any true, authentic Mexican culture Culture at all. There's There's just these guys with huge sombreros pouring tequila shots down these Americans' throats. Like, they know what's up. But they're they're gonna exploit it because they could stand to make all this money from all these tourists. But I remember then later just being like, Jesus Christ! Like that was I felt very exploitative of whatever the fuck. Mex- I just felt like I had no idea what Mexico was about, even right. though I well, so there. you're, you're taking
0: only the there for chance six here. Fucking hours. You know, uh, yeah. you're using the opportunity on culture dumps right now to uh, apologize for any wrongdoing on your part during spring break in Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: it was really fun. It was really fun. But I've never been on a cruise boat since, and I really have no intention of ever being on a cruise ever
0: right. again. So let's get back to the film, The Real Cancun, just briefly here. So for those of you that aren't familiar, this is a reality tv movie where they casted a a group of young people 18 between the ages of like 18 and let's say 22 and you know with a little bit of room for uh, adjustment there but basically there's like there's these twin girls there's this um you know, like, these two, like, like dudes that are, like, best friends that are going. Then there's, like, a couple really handsome guys that are like, oh, yeah, left my girlfriend at home. It's Cancun, baby. And then there's, like, the guy who's, like, best friends with this girl and, like, ne'er the two shall ever have sex. But, like, those lines get a little blurred during spring break. And it's, like, yeah. all this shit. And then there's a guy named Alan in the film who's like the nerd who's like, I'm just here hoping to make friends. And he doesn't drink at all. He's like, I just don't drink. I I just not something I'm interested in. I believe that he was lying and conned himself into this film because by the end of this film, he's not only the only person that gets laid, but he handles his he's alcohol like a like champ. A yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He he worked the system. But yeah, the real Cancun, you got to check it out. It's a far cry from Parks' experience in Cancun, which should it's... actually be called the real Cancun.
1: And <laughs> But that's the problem is that that's kind of the that's the fucked up thing is like, that is the real Cancun because that's right. what they cultivate. Yes. So that's what you get. You get this cheap, shitty, just a, like factory style. Let's pump out as much booze as we can. Let's We got to meet these numbers, these quotas. These numbers, You're getting yeah. just And probably as watered down as the drinks are is as watered down as of any culture of Mexico you're getting
0: absolutely and Well, the thing with Cancun especially during the MTV like height I mean MTV still does spring breaks uh you know up until very very recently but like the main stage is built around a fat Tuesday and a fat Tuesday is like a, a slush alcohol stand like a daiquiri stand like in New Orleans for instance they have them all over the place but I don't think I like they, they might not even have, like, an actual Fat Tuesday brand one. And if they do, it's the biggest. But, like, what, what it is is that's where you get your, like, three-foot bong filled with an alcoholic Slurpee. And, mm-hmm. the, like, Fat Tuesday yeah. rules Cancun. Like they, like, they are the quintessential cornerstone of spring break uh, back in the day and up till now. So, throughout the 1980s, there was a migration of Spring Break. MTV had established itself as the greatest Spring Break party one could attend, and wherever MTV was, that's where THE Spring Break was – Fort Lauderdale, the original spring break destination, changed its laws after tiring of the annual party and outlawed open containers and raised the drinking age. Daytona Beach became the next stop, then Panama City Beach, then South Padre Island, then Cancun, the Bahamas, and even Jamaica. Cancun being the biggest because... It's it's not on American soil, <laughs> so you can get away with of a course. lot more. Yeah,
1: it's legally more dubious. Now let's also legally not forget more dubious. <laughs> I said legally dubious, oh, but yeah, I you said either way, more dubious. But I want to throw in another little, just for history's sake. I mean, there's also you know Miami, which I mean is right. known for it's kind of had its own established party culture for much longer. But obviously, they're going to embrace spring break, and uh, that's kind of where you get you know the birth of booty base and two live crew, which is, you know, a subject that we plan on covering. Absolutely. And it's actually the that booty base, that kind of that plus the spring break phenomenon is what led to Freak Nick uh, in Atlanta in the 90s, which I mean, is dump worthy, though I do feel like the subject has been covered very extensively. And I've kind of I've kind of so I don't know if I want to touch it because I feel like I've just heard it, you know, so well, but it was this epic legendary party in atlanta and so that i mean that was a spring you know and i feel like in in
0: california you know what 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 happened is like you know we have like festival season right in in the u.s and the world abroad and i feel like music festivals kind of like like shrunk down spring break and they're like you know what we can charge out the ass to get the amount of money that people would spend over a week long or two week long thing for a three day experience, and that way the local towns mm-hmm. aren't pissed. If anything, they're excited for this day for this time to come around. You know what I mean? So you have like your Coachellas yeah, and your Bonnaros and and things but then like that. It's a that. season. Yeah, it's so a if season. If you're rich
1: enough, you just go to them all summer, right? And if you know. but it
0: falls within the spring break you know, a uh, timeline. So it's like, that, like the festival seasons and festivals could be considered part Definitely of the spring break. It.
1: Though we should make a note that this spring and more so controversially last spring of 2020 yeah. kind of made the news because of COVID. And so you <laughs> would think that that's of? just <laughs> not, not a thing you should, you know, should do. Uh, but it was, it was all over the news. Yeah. Florida like, still kept it real. They kept doing it, and so you would see these images of, you know, hundreds and thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but lots of teenagers doing it. And then, of course, you know, it's like, oh, well, they're young and they're less susceptible, so then they're interviewing them and they just don't give a shit. And they just
0: don't give a shit, yeah. So so Spring Break,
1: it got a little uptick during COVID. It kind of, like, got a little bit of its notoriety. Well, there was, like, a a thumbing of
0: the nose to, like society where it's like you know generally we're still
1: gonna fucking spring break
0: yeah and it's funny because you know most people that like uh stick it to the man and like are against like government regulation stuff it's that's kind of like an alternative culture thing and for the first time in history i feel like we saw this like change where now all the people that are into like the arts and alternative culture and stuff we're the ones defending the government stance on things whereas you saw all of the normies you know standing in complete opposition to it and that's yeah. kind of the thing that like what was unique about 2020 but then you
1: did but then you did see but then it was also still kind of rooted in in just youth and people that are like this you know i'm Invincible. not over 65 so like yeah I, I probably it'd be much harder for me to even catch COVID or be sick from it right so i just literally don't give a shit and so like What's the easiest way to rebel is just... Just doing whatever you (laughs) want. Yeah.
0: So spring break took a dark turn in 1997 that would forever seal its fate as being a haven for toxic masculinity, bad decisions, and alcohol poisoning. When a young filmmaker named Joe Francis introduced his home video series, Girls Gone Wild. Yes, folks. For those of you that send that in as a suggestion, we will do a "Girls Gone Wild." Some this of these has
1: to be a separate dump.
0: Yeah, yeah. So some yeah. of these topics take a lot longer to prepare for than others. It seems like we're just, uh, you know, fucking around over here at the Culture Dumps HQ. But there is a, a method to the madness, and some of them take. Weeks to prepare for, some of them can be done in a day. Girls Gone Wild is a hugely intricate story. But once that happened in 1997 and and you start seeing these late-night commercials for this tape, it's like it forever cemented the idea of, like, there's topless, horny girls everywhere. And so all the, the men from all these colleges more than ever flocked to spring break in 1998 and on, you know, because that was the reputation that Joe Francis gave spring break through his series, Girls Gone Wild. Same with Mardi Gras. I mean, I I would say it's safe to say that the bad behavior was there, but it got worse after Girls Gone Wild.
1: Yeah, and I I think, I mean, I I did not participate in Freaknik, but just it seems like once that got, super popular in the publicity and then it was kind of like oh there's like girls with their ass hanging out like in the streets it brought so much more attention and then that's when you start getting that's when you start getting sexual assault and you start getting all the bad bad shit because you're because you're now you're you're it's it's again like the woodstock thing you have this expectation and then you have really young people who are naive or stupid or right. just don't know any better and then let's mix in tons of booze Right, it's well, just...
0: and I'll tell you, you know, as far as the Girls Gone Wild thing, like, I've been to Mardi Gras three times, and it is every bit debauched and crazy that you would think, but with some things not really lining up with the the public view of it. For instance, like, beads for, for boobs thing, like, they're like, show us your tits and, like, throw beads down, that doesn't really happen- that much now it happens but it, it's always like the the people that do that now from what i've seen for the most part at mardi gras are the people that were doing it in like 1983 so picture someone <laughs> who was like 21 years old in like 1983 showing their boobs for beads in 2018 right And, and like, then we've
1: talked it's because everyone's got phones now and so you just yeah you know you're your your genitals are gonna be on yeah, the, Well, also on someone's phone real quick.
0: You know, also time's up, boys. You know what I mean? It's like the there's you know the the men are finally you know at at some level being held accountable for the, for these negative behavioral patterns and all that shit. So we don't really see that right, as much. That,
1: there was definitely, there was definitely like a void there. If, you know, if the, if the girl's gone wild is kind of the, the image. Right. Or if that's the thing pushing it. I mean, that's just promoting like, it's that easy. It's all you have to do is get your ass down. Yeah. And you're going to get laid by these easy college co. And just that sleazy language of the late night TV. I mean, there were so many phenomenons happening with, you know, the whole you know, most guys right. our age have their little fucking story about sneaking and watching Channel 99 or right, staying yeah, up and watching porn, the, yeah. the ads and stuff. I want to say, though, I think that's funny because we just to think about like St. Patty's Day or something, which is an incredibly debauched Saint holiday. St. Patty's Day could be under
0: the umbrella of the spring break mentality, by the way, where it's a Maybe seasonal it thing is. to let loose. Right.
1: Know? But they have this whole like, oh, the history and the culture and the heritage and you, you know with Carnival you have that and even with Mardi Gras you have that as an right. institution so it's like maybe you bringing up all this Dionysian stuff maybe Spring Break needs to like dig and find its its Greek roots and kind of get a philosophical <laughs> well, or no, they intellectual think Greek roots background is to it you they're, know? They're like, no we're in touch <laughs> with our Greek roots Alpha Sigma Phi <laughs> fuck you <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like dude, they, they, they need like a spokesperson there's no like talking a PhD. to any of these people <laughs> So
0: MTV continued to play a major role in perpetuating the traditions of spring break year after year with its televised performances of some of the biggest music acts in the world, as well as celebrity MCs such as Pauly Shore, Tyrese, Molly Sims, and all of the MTV VJs, even Jerry Springer, who hosted his own slew of spring break inspired skits and stage shows such as Spring Broke and a Jerry springer themed like spring break thing where it's just like oh like i came here with my chick she went out with my buddy randy let's bring randy out and like he would do this live
1: right there was some famous jerry springer spring break thing where apparently the three it was a lover's triangle but they were all just three friends and they completely concocted this backstory well and that's common jerry and, like, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. Well, but that's a
0: common occurrence with, like, Jerry Springer's show and things like that is, like, people, you know, you sign up for this shit. Like, famously, Justin Pearson of The Locust, you know, he he – Fucking was on Jerry Springer as like, oh, my boyfriend cheats on me when I'm on the road or when he's on the right. road and stuff. But they were just like fixing that. I mean, I have friends that uh, fixed Judge Judy, you know, over like a cat <laughs> thing and ended up on Judge I Judy. I friends who fixed Judge Judy. I mean, fuck, dude. <laughs> we, uh, we talked about it on the Four Local episode. You know, Chance, who was telling one of the tales from the tall can. Yes, like him and I, the day that he (laughs) got 16 locoed, it happened because there was a show called Bully Beatdown on MTV where you would literally, like, it was two nerds, basically, or like a group of nerds that were bullied by someone. So the nerds would take the bully to Bully Beatdown, and the bully would have to spend, like, five minutes in the ring with, like, a trained fighter. And if they could survive, then you all got, like, 10 grand or something. And these bullies would just get their asses handed to them. Mind you, though, Chance, the six, the 16 Loco champion uh, who ended up turning his life around and joining the, the military, I truly believe that at the time he was over like 300 pounds. He probably could have lasted five minutes, but his face would have been a pile of mush. But he probably <laughs> could have done it.
1: There was just such a novelty as far as all those shows of just... It- what's real just, like, what's not it, yeah they say it's real and you haven't seen it before so you just take it for a grain of salt and now look where we are we got the fake news the all the crazy <laughs> everything you know no one kn- <laughs> everyone is so incredibly skeptical of everything but now they still pump it out and then it's like no one even gives a shit like if the if the kardashians or whatever like if the drama is manufactured because they i don't know they've just they've worked to this new genius level where that you know it's staged but then But you don't care everyone everyone but then everyone cares about the narrative of every single person. I hate that fucking word narrative and it's like <laughs> it's just like I know you've talked about it so it's somehow it's staged, but then you still Care and it's still real it even speaks though it's to bigger
0: volumes it's like a book being a work of fiction like the jungle by Upton Sinclair for instance
2: Yes. while it may be
0: sp- a fictional account of uh the you know evil doings of uh the meat packing industry uh back in those days it is a a look at what was actually happening that is the most educated <laughs> reference you will ever get on this show I promise you, you did that a
1: couple. You, th- you threw in the, the good stuff I, Well, I want to say though uh, Molly Sims wow wow I'm glad you included <laughs> you that you almost
0: made me spit take all over my computer yeah wow yeah good. great part. <laughs>
1: wow That's all I have to say. We can keep moving.
0: Great. Well, another that speaking of Molly Sims, another new addition to MTV spring break was fashion. During many of the acts that played, there would be a plethora of models showing off the latest summer fashions on the catwalk. Now, this happened for years and years and years. When you look at the original spring break performers, like, for instance, my favorite of all time is the the hair metal band Vixen. It's an all-female hair metal group. Yeah, They performed in Daytona Beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were opening they for Bon Jovi. Yeah, now, they, they were just performing on a stage. But as you get deeper into the 90s, yes, it's all about, like, sponsorships and corporate sponsorships, things like that. So... While bands would be playing, the biggest bands in the country and the world, you would have models like coming out to show off bathing suits or summer wear yeah, by the biggest like labels. Fucking,
1: but like Billabong and Abercrombie. Those were the <laughs> biggest labels, you know? No, <laughs> no but. I mean, I, Dude, I, Moschino was just, in
0: there. I mean, fucking the, yeah. Calvin Klein. I mean, there's a lot of very relevant labels but that it, did it, that.
1: It would get obs- I mean, you know, you have like a rapper who's like maybe. Presenting a luxurious lifestyle and it, it goes hand in hand, but then you got to this thing with new metal where you have like fucking Limp Biscuit playing and he, you know, Fred Durst is singing Nobody Loves Me, Nobody I know, and Cares then some girl and comes like,
0: out and it would say the label, yeah. and it's like Angel Baby. And then the girl's just right. like, Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, but the, the infamous, uh, the boat.
0: Oh, yeah. Fred Yeah, Durst
1: Limp Biscuit blew, it up, a blew up a boat. We'll pro- we should probably include a link or to the video. I mean, we could have the audio. We should probably but you just include it the right
0: boat. here. You got right to blow this boat. Now, just for reference, folks, I'm going to list off some of the acts that played at MTV Spring Break, and most of these, like literally the grand majority of what who I'm about to name – like you can find these on YouTube. So Bon Jovi, Eminem, Vixen, Primus, Limp Biscuit, Notorious B.I.G., Spice Girls, Lil Wayne, no doubt. Radiohead. Radiohead is a great one because they're like, oh, you know, they're like softies they and like so art sad. guys. Yeah, and like they have yeah. no reason to be there. They're playing creep. And then um, Tom York jumps into the pool with his Doc Martins on and has trouble getting out because like he realizes, mm-hmm. oh, now I weigh fifty pounds heavier and my <laughs> tiny little creep art guy frame yeah. can't carry these wet clothes out of the pool pool so he has to be saved but a fat joe ashanti salt and peppa backstreet boys 50 cent and plenty of others also folks there's a new show it's called how to with john wilson it's hilarious and there is a scene uh in this show how to john wilson you know he's a comedian and he spends all of his time filming random shit wherever he's at and he throws it together in like a comprehensive way it's really great but he goes to spring break and he's like a lot older than everyone that's there and there's this great scene where he gets removed from the crowd at MTV spring break because he keeps looking backwards at the camera so everyone in this crowd is like facing the acting going crazy and you just see this like tall nerdy guy like 10 years older than everyone (laughs) staring at the camera and he had to get removed which is great but there was also Lots of nudity and public sex and like televised events. Like even by today's standards, you know, like these were, pushing the boundaries like again there there there's a great moment like back in the day which you can't find now where they would have these like couples games and like relay races and like in between filler stuff and one of them was yes when they would send couples out into the water you have to switch bathing suits you know so the guy would come out in a bikini and then of course the girl would be in the board shorts like holding her breast or whatever but like what that devolved into was like just a bunch of people fucking in the water and they were like we're showing this like we're like obviously just showing it, yeah, and or or
1: almost it, you know. Exactly. Or in Girls Gone Wild, they're kind of they're they're really pushing gray areas, and we you know we'll get really into all that stuff. But the thing is, is that you're having uh, people aren't really aware necessarily of their situations because they're drinking so much. Drinking and so, so people, much, It's yeah. ripe for people getting taken advantage of, and it's funny you bring up the John Wilson because it's also going to attract creepy old people. <laughs> You know, it's, and I mean, and here's the thing. When everyone's 16, like, well, you don't have 16. to be that. Well, but I'm saying you don't even have to be that old to be a creepy old guy. Yeah, you know? you're like
0: creepy if and, you're like 26.
1: Right. That and, and that's probably because most of the people there are under 18. And I'll tell age, you this. So you are creepy. <laughs> I'll
0: tell you this, listeners out there. If you're over the like, age of 25 down. and you really want to go to Spring Break Cancun, you're a creep,
1: right? That's that's <laughs> why it's a dump. It's a dump for us because we will, we we I have no desire to, and I and we should not want to revisit that. Um, I know.
0: Well, I just hope that you know for any of you listeners out there that are still in high school or are just starting college, you're still really cool, dude. You don't have to go to spring break. Like, don't worry about it. You will be better off later in life for not having spent so much energy trying to get laid. <laughs> Uh, Wasted off a three-foot daiquiri bongs in Cancun. You will be a better person for spending that time uh, you know, honing your craft in whatever hobby you have or hanging out with friends, maybe visiting your parents. That is the stuff that will reward you later in life.
1: Learn how to make money, and then you'll get laid from that. That's that's (laughs) Uncle Parks' creepy advice. I do have one (laughs) other little spring break story, and uh, this was... I went, I was in Florida. I went with my dad and my sister and a friend of mine. And I mean, we did not really know what we were doing, but we were like, we have to party. We went to this place called St. George Island, which is not really a destination. Like I've been there again. And like their whole MO is trying to avoid that stuff. Like they actually don't even have, the only chain they have on the entire island is like one subway. So like their whole thing is they're trying to, they're trying to not cultivate a spring break culture. Right,
0: and we know that everywhere but, has a subway.
1: But we didn't... Yeah, but we didn't know... I mean, we just... That's where my dad picked. So we didn't have a choice, <laughs> but we're like, we're going to find it because there's still going to be people partying. So we go to this parking lot and there's people partying. And we... Me and my friend, we split a six-pack of Smirnoff ice. Oh And we downed those. <laughs> but then there was... I think somehow we got... You know, eventually they're like some some vodka and then some weed. So I I was gateway drug smear. I don't remember what happened, but I and this is not this story is not going to be too crazy. But it's saying it's kind of illustrates how fucking crazy it could be. I got in a car with some guy like and he I mean, he seemed old to me. Like if I were to think about it now, he was probably like twenty five or twenty six. But really, that's too fucking old to be in these situations. Yeah, he he was he was old. He seemed like an old guy to me. And I think we were going to his house or something to get more drugs or or like get weed or not not dr- just weed or booze. And we <laughs> not got pulled drugs, over just we weed got or pulled booze. over by the cops. We got pulled over by the cops. We were both shit faced. The cop let us go, and I think that for whatever reason that kind of spooked us. And he like. Took me back to the parking lot, but I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, that was so fucking stupid. Like, I just like agreed to go into this car with this older guy, yeah, who I had no fucking idea. I was so shit. See, that's your
0: male privilege right there. (laughs) I know. I
1: mean, I'm saying like nothing bad happened, but think about like I was so stupid and drunk and gullible. Like, oh dude, I got. I mean, how easy. I could have been exploited in that moment there's a billion you know, just,
0: times during Mardi Gras where I should have been mugged stabbed beaten the shit out of whatever yeah from just me following someone that asked him to you know what I, I mean
1: I know I know a friend I definitely won't say his name but I love this fucking story uh, a friend of mine uh, he was drunk in at Mardi Gras he this woman he was like she is too hot to be hitting on me oh She's hitting on no him. she she gives him he's shit-faced she gives him a blowjob in his car and he didn't realize it but while she was giving him a blowjob she was going through his wallet and he didn't realize it oh, my and God. Then the next day he was miles away heading back here still reveling
0: in the fact that he, he was, got like a, a like, cute I girl sex awesome act blowjob. yeah
1: and then he was—he had this LLC, like this company we started. And one of the other guys in the company was like, "Hey, just want to know, like the cr- company card has like two thousand dollars at Lowe's. Like, what are you doing, like building a house out there?" And he's like, "Holy shit!" And he checked his wallet. He was already hundreds he's like, of no, miles away. No, no,
0: the woman that gave me oral sex last <laughs> night is building a house. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, no, what she was doing is she she bought a bunch of power tools. Oh, and just sell and them. Then you can, and then you can sell them. Oh my god, but genius! I won't say his name, but I, <laughs> uh,
0: I'm never not and, amazed and, by uh, the genius of young entrepreneurial women out there. Yeah,
1: you know, and that, and that is, and that is male privilege because you know. That, you can't got get away with up, that kind of but behavior, it, but boys. It, but it that could have been much worse, say, if the situation was, was, was reversed. Yeah, absolutely. He was a woman and I was a man. So, again, we're make, making jokes of it, but there's just this whole environment is is uh, yes. there's a lot of sneakiness and, and, and lest we forget under the belly.
0: Lest we forget how much awful shit casually happens to women every single year at these mass gathering spring break events. I mean again because there's a mentality of young men expecting a certain something to happen and when it doesn't you take matters into your own hands you know so to speak and bad yeah. things fucking happen and again it just like speaks to the terrifying reality of like the difference between say an 18 year old man being in fucking Cancun and an 18 year old woman being in Cancun and that's something yeah. you know that we definitely I just want to say real quick like that exists that's fucking fucking scary i didn't want to go into like looking up like statistics of because it's just fucking obvious that women have a harder time and a worse time at spring break as far as like crimes committed against them goes than men do you know it's like i don't really weep for the guy that gets his wallet stolen during a blowjob but i weep for no, the woman no. that thinks that she's getting invited to a party and then comes home and is never the same you know what i mean it's, it's right a, it's a totally different thing and
1: it's like and he knows and like and he knows that and it's like yeah, that's it's the a, thing. a- funny story it's, it's for like him like to tell me, that it's A funny you know. story for him and the credit card you know he calls the bank and lets him know it's a fraud he probably didn't tell him all the details oh, yeah. guilty but, of know, that yeah you know you get you get those charges erased and you know and, so and you that's, move on it's a lighter story yeah you know
0: but let's get back to mtv really quick because this is very important so in 2001 the upcoming rap rock band Crazy Town performed their hit song Butterfly at MTV Spring Break. Enter our guest today, Craig Tyler. Now, before we play this for you folks, just let it be known that this was a Zoom interview. There is a little delay between the two of us talking, but Craig was an amazing guest. Can't thank him enough for coming onto the show. This is me. Actually interviewing someone that performed at MTV Spring Break, here you are.
2: incredible and stylish that they inspired us to scour this season's best beachwear to find suits that match their style
1: and after searching the beaches and the bars we found spring breakers just like y'all to come up on stage and hit the runway
2: all right well these cali rockers were practically born with beachwear on so i'm sure they and you are going to love the punk inspired suits we chose for our models here to perform "Butterfly," the one and only Crazy Town. Tra-
0: All right, so I'm sitting here with Craig Tyler. Him and I have known each other for years now. You were a DJ at one of my favorite places in the world, the best little bikini bar in Hollywood, Cheetahs. It
2: was fantastic. <laughs>
0: Yes, and uh, for years, uh, this story and Craig's kind of role that he plays in the saga of Spring Break had always been something I wanted to include on the show, but today we're finally doing it. So, Craig, the year is 2001, all right? You're playing in a band called Crazy Town. Tell me about Crazy Town. Tell me about how you got involved with them and kind of just what life was going into that.
2: I I mean, by the time we got to that point in time, life was pretty surreal. But like on the lead in, uh, you know, I was working with Orgy and with Jay Gordon. Uh, I used to be in a band called 16 Volt and they loved 16 Volt. And then I was their musical director trying to, you know, helping them, uh, you know, make Orgy live like as great as it was on the albums. And Jay was like, do you want to come and, uh, you know, work on this crazy town thing with me? And because uh, he knew that I was like, you know, a producer, and, and it, like I could help him in like actually like recording bands as opposed to things that were strictly, you know, right. programmed. And I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And so then I, I met, uh, you know, I met Epic and Shifty through that and a whole bunch of other crazy characters and uh they we they just kind of fell in love with me and so they were you know kind of really really wanting to work with me forever and then i was their musical director and teaching them how to play their records and get right and when they finally looked like they were getting their shit together i was just like okay if you guys are going to if you guys understand like what this really takes i'm right. down and that's what led me that's what led me into Crazy Town and it's sort of from like that point forward is when the whole thing really blew up. So it was just a constant rise of madness from from when I finally I was basically like you know that girl you keep asking me yeah. out and she's just not about it like and that never actually pays off in real life but in this time it did and I when I finally said yes then it's like the whole the stars aligned and and it, it was just big i wild. mean
0: i was you know i was super young but i mean that song the song was everywhere right so the song in question here butterfly which is what you guys performed on MTV spring break were you there when they were writing that or was that already a song that they had when you came into the band?
2: I was totally aware of it. Uh, you, you know, and basically uh, cause Brett and I have a lot of, uh, you, you know, we ran a production company together after this for years. Like we have both kind of come up in a similar manner of working with a lot of different music and producing and writing and, uh, and, and also, you know, some understanding of the record industry. And I was always like, yeah, you got to get the fucking butterfly out. Like that's that that shit's right. a smash. Like that there's it's an undeniable smash, and it is undeniably crazy town. It's very on brand for exactly who everybody was as a person. And you know, Brett had the idea of wanting to you know make it last longer, so it doesn't turn out to what it became, which is especially in the states, all about one right. song. So there were two two singles prior to uh, to butterfly. And it was actually there was an ad in the back of Billboard, like full page that talked about that it was over 300 days between the launch of the record and when the record went platinum and went, uh, you you know, had this massive success. And it was like, you know, they were trying to say, like, you could really do like, you know build, build artists and build them up the right way or whatever. But, you know, it's basically when butterfly was, when butterfly was going to come, we thought it was going to be huge, but then the the rise of it was hilarious because we were on a, a, a national tour here in the States as it was like buzzworthy on MTV and we're watching it on the bus and we're like, Holy shit.
0: Right. right? Yeah, and then awesome. like,
2: it, then it's just, then it's on all the time and it's just like, Oh my God. And then, you, you know, that led into us uh, getting asked to play, Uh, MTV Spring Break we had done a TRL before that which was like one of the craziest days I've ever had in my tell me about that
0: really quick because TRL I mean obviously that's the most legendary thing you could do on MTV uh, minus winning like a VMA or whatever but I mean playing on like do you guys play or did you just appear?
2: We we played two songs and and uh, and it was our first live television performance, which is amazing to say because we had ended up, especially in Europe, we did so much live playing live on television. But we got there and. I'm kind of like about it and I'm taking it in. And Trouble, the other guitar player, has like a mild case of Tourette's and we're looking out the window from wherever uh, wh- wherever they shot TRL into Times Square and there's a sea of kids with signs in Times Square and I'm sitting there with Epic and we're, I, we're just like, this is sick. And Trouble's just like, I want to go home. <laughs> like, because it was like alternately terrifying. Yeah. And when we walked into the room, it was still to date, I think, the loudest sound I ever heard. Let that group of... Of kids screaming like you know, like doing that like Beatles scream thing, and that shit. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's the Beatles scream, but then there's the
0: Crazy Town scream. You
2: know, all I know is. It was, it was so loud that I think, like, if I could I, 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 if I could find footage of it, I think I kind of ducked down. I was just like, it was like an assault of sound. And then we played Butterfly, and we killed it. And afterward, I cried a little bit because I was just like, holy shit, yeah. we did it. Uh, but then also came to the understanding, of, like, that a live television performance is just a rock show. Right. So when we played Dark Side as the second song, we played it like we were playing it on stage yeah. anywhere. And that was, like, that was the shift in that, like, playing doing this on live television is no different than doing it in a right in front it breaks crowd. it down yeah it's like the same it's the same exact thing so yeah so that that was TRL was nuts and uh and, you know, just getting asked to play TRL was ridiculous at that. Era. It's just like, you know, like that you think about the most iconic pop things that were going on at that time. And like, we never looked at ourselves in right. that light, you, you know, like, but it's like, here we are hanging out with all right. of this. Well, I
0: mean, it, it was right and, in that it, pocket. It, it, like, Crazy Town is kind of one of the last groups to to get that big. That was part of like the huge nu metal, like rap rock Kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like right around, I want to say 2003 ish by 2005 that that's pretty much out and it was on to the next big phase. But I mean, it was such a rise. Did you guys feel like you were part of that scene or, or was it more like, oh, like we're getting all this attention because we're huge. We're not riding like a wave of other bands similar to us.
2: I don't think that we felt like uh, you know. Obviously, you know, we've been friends with uh, you know, like the Deftones and Corn and and know the know the Limp guys for for a long time. Like just, like with Orgy, it's like Orgy was represented by uh, uh, what, the, what was the name of the management company? But the, it's the same. It was uh, the same guys. One of the guys from that company used to come to uh, the Fast Cat mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I'm not yeah, going to name yeah. him by name because that's not nice. Um, but uh, but. Uh, You know they they had they represented Corn they represented Orgy they represented Limp and so like we all knew each other and we all you know we'd all been friends like when the Deftones started to really blow up I saw the Deftones when I still lived in New York they opened for Corn on and that's Corn's first record it was at Limelight and I was just like the Deftones just blew me away legendary yeah yeah oh I mean when I was a kid in New York before before all of this I played Limelight like did you ever go to the
0: Disco two thousand Limelight was the spot. Oh my of god. Course. Okay, that's a whole other fucking episode, folks.
2: I mark my words, that's, Greg will oh, oh, be back. You don't, de- you don't know how deep you don't know how I'm sure you went goes. to the tunnel it's then like, too
0: owned by the same guy. Yeah. Oh of my course. god. alright We're I'm getting All off track. Of I'm too it, excited yeah. about that whole thing. But yeah, <laughs> so that, so that
2: that's that's, that's another F. But uh uh so yeah, we but I didn't feel like we were part of like a new metal like wave of things. Uh you, you know, I just felt like We were a part of like a hybrid amalgamation, like very, like, you know, if you look back to, uh, you know, uh, what was that great soundtrack that combined rock bands with hip hop bands? Uh, No, before that, uh, it was, um, oh my God, I can't believe I can't think of it. Uh, It was like, you know, like Sonic Youth and Public Enemy. That's where like the cool thing comes from. And like, like the breeders. And so basically it was like this whole, the synthesis between rock and hip-hop had been happening for a while. And, you know, me coming, you know, growing up like I did in New York and Brett growing up like he did out here, like, hip-hop was always right. everything. But we also, like, just like, I, I play instruments. I'm a band guy. So it was, like, finding a way to combine those two things. That's what we thought we were, you know, not uniquely doing, but, like, trying to do an right. our Right, and way.
0: Butterfly was kind of, like, the only, like kind of new metal, like ballad or like love song. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't too many like that. Like there would be like kind of heavier, softer songs from a lot of those bands, but butterfly was a love song. And like, and it was like one for the ladies, really. I mean, I can only just imagine uh, the benefits uh, reaping in at that era in time with that song being, being the band's hit. But so the thing with, with butterfly is it's heavily sample oriented. It's kind of built around a, a sample, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Well, you are. And, and so I, I wish yeah. more people knew the story of that because, you know, coming from, you know, where Epic and I are coming from as like, you know, like I used to make industrial music and it was like hip hop and it's like manipulating samples, you know, sort of like the same thing that I do at drum and bass right now. It's sort of like everything's a dub plate. And if you make it yours, it's then different. Yeah. That's art. Right. And so uh, the cool thing with Butterfly, it's a sample from a John Vershante and Flea song called Pretty Little Diddy. And they were also represented by the same management company, Q Prime, that we were with. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers thought, or really John and Flea, thought it was so cool what Crazy Town had done with, like, you know, this end of album pretty little right. track that they did that it's the only sample they ever cleared. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
2: Like, so, like, if you, if you look on the writing on Butterfly, the Red Hot Chili Peppers have writing credit on Butterfly. Nobody took anything from right, anybody. Right, right like they've they you you know like I, I just I, you know they have a percentage of that song. So if you think about how big that record is and how many millions and millions of copies it's sold, and how like how much spins it still gets everywhere, like everybody right, wants right. And
0: licensing and you, stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that song like I felt like yeah, it had it, like, a like, huge, like a huge like it was huge when it dropped. But then that movie Orange County came out and it brought it all back. Just like a couple like maybe a year or two after the the heat had died down, it brought it right back up for like another you know couple years.
2: I. I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that. Also, something's got to give. The Jack Nicholson movie, the opening, the opening scene is Butterfly, and I remember watching that, and it had already been so big, and I was just like, "That's one of the cool things about the record is that you know, like people all around the world that I'm friends with will be on tour, and they'll like they're God knows where, and they call me because the record's just always on, and I'm just like, yeah, it'll never die. But like I can listen to that record right now, and being somebody that's really always wanted to be involved with timeless music. It sounds every bit as good as anything that's on the radio. It, it yeah. bangs. It's like it, it. It's never, literally, never going to die. That so long as there's amplified music, it, that song it, will outlive there, yeah. all I, of absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's amazing. Yeah,
0: no, no, hundred percent. So yeah, two thousand and one now. MTV spring break is kind of the biggest televised event on cable, like every year, you know, annually. Kids wait for that for a ton of different reasons. A, it's exposure to all the hot music. You get to see all the fashions because they would do these like swimwear shows and fashion shows. There was like, you know, skits and, and, you know, celebrity cameos. But then also, you know, you got to see beautiful young people. You know what I mean? There was hunks and babes all over the place. It was like a super sexually charged event, but you got to be the center of attention. Crazy town performed butterfly at spring break. Run us through the logistics of like, when you get there, when, like when you found out you were doing it up till you being there and tell us all about it.
2: So so the cool thing about that, it sort of reversed back to the TRL thing. So after TRL, we went to Europe and we played huge television shows like, you know, like the inti- like a whole live thing in the round in Berlin, like so, so much us playing as a band on live TV. So by the time we got to MTV Spring Break, that was just another yeah. day. And so we were totally ready for the performance aspect of doing what we would what any of us have done as a band, but with a million cameras and like on a weird shaped stage with models walking around. Yeah. It's like you still just got to play the record and make it knock. Uh, so we were really comfortable in that forum at by by the time we got to there. And so like you know we we had gone I got sick we 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 came off the, some tour I I got sick and then, and then we had to go to uh Montreal to play a music plus sh- uh thing Quebecois and then we had to go to Vancouver to play uh a, a, a much music thing and then we flew down to Cancun to do uh to do the MTV right. Spring Break So it's just nonsense. The thing that I remember most it was just it was ridiculous. But the thing that I remember most is I was sitting at the pool with Fado, the bass player from uh, Crazy Town. Dream Puffy's uh, member of yeah, that Dream, band yeah. with like the, all the really young girls. They were all in the pool and they were being hilarious. And Tim Devine, who is the West Coast president of Columbia Records, was down there. And he's just like, you guys just went number one in the States. And, Paul, and, and Fado and I are like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Because we're just so in the middle of it that like it just doesn't matter. Like you know, we just got to keep knocking out all these things right. and and killing them. And he was just like, "You guys could be excited." And I, and and Fedo and I were like, Yeah. Yay. <laughs> like, but it, it wasn't like that. Doesn't yeah. Mean well, and how much more excited like, could
0: you get? You know what I mean? It's like I feel like you were capped off. Like there was just too much going on. But,
2: yeah, the whole thing just the whole thing just kept building and building and building and it just never like the the, it never goes away like and then we were also like we were self-aware enough to know like this song is probably becoming too big it's going to be an incredible job trying to thread the needle to continue this but you know, still trying really hard to do that. So you know, it's like, yeah, we, we were at like the Western Hotel. They put us up, mad fat. Like we all had like our own sick rooms. Seeing like Carmen Electra walking around in the hallways. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> you know, like the, just, just 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 like totally hilarious life. And and the, I think that the day that we played the actual televised show. <laughs> it's going to sound ridiculous. It felt like a pretty normal day. <laughs> like Because the, they were in, like, job <laughs> mode it, at that point. Yeah.
0: But, like, it is kind of crazy because, again, the main thing about spring break at that time was the, the fashion show. So they would just march out, you know, models and shit. It's it, it just, yeah, it's bizarre. But by this time, yeah, you guys were kind of pros. So it's just one more obstacle, you know?
2: Yeah. And so like it, it was a super like a super fun day. Like, you know, it's like I remember like, you know, so we met Jessica Simpson. She was hilarious. Like, you, you know, just all these people that are around that that whole scene. Like, you know, like like hanging out in the pool with the, like dream and they're like being ridiculous. Yeah. Like the, the, the whole the whole thing was just like super surreal. But also like we were there and present because we weren't like overwhelmed by it all. So like we were having a good time, like the way like you, me, and some friends would have a good time. Right, like any show, yeah, right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like yeah, it's like we're we're gonna knock out all the things we're supposed to do, but you know, like the funny thing, and like this wasn't on MTV, is that after we just played this like one show, and like you know, we've flown down to Cancun to do this thing, we were just like, yeah, we. We we need to go like find one of these bars and, and just like and and yeah. play and show up and play like a real show down here. So we, we totally made that happen and like played and like you know like some makes makeshift stage and some like crazy like pour shots down your mouth bar into Cancun and <laughs> and, and and played like a played like a full live show. I don't even know if we got paid for it. Like we just like, we wanted to do it. Yeah. I mean, you might as well, Like
0: you know, and if you have like people to like help you with your fucking gear, it's like, there's literally no reason not to. Now. I remember you had told me when we had discussed this, like, you know, way back that, that show like completely dwarfed the, the thing that you had done on MTV just hours before and was kind of like the craziest part.
2: Oh, that, that was completely insane. That was like just a, a, a sea of, 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 of kids going absolutely bananas and like no barricade, like not even remotely safe, like a punch right. show. Right. You know, but, but with the number one band like, in you the know, like, Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and so, and, and like we, we did that in a couple of places where, you know, we were just doing like some TV thing cause we just ended up doing so much television and it was just like, Yo, let's go play a real show, like, you know, like find us like a bar, like we'll put the you know, put right. the word out and it'll get mobbed and, and it it'll be it'll be really fun. That yeah. that's
0: fucking crazy. Do you remember offhand how much they pay you for M T V spring break?
2: I have no absolutely idea. no <laughs> yeah. idea. like I, like at, at that point in time, like it's like we're we're all doing so well and uh y- you know, like it's just not even like it was just an itinerary. Yeah. Like, you know, it was like, like like I said, we had come off a national tour uh, before that. We were home for three days, probably had photo shoots all three days for God knows what. Then flew to Canada, played, you know, two shows in two days in Canada, then flew down to uh, Cancun, spent probably two or three days there, flew directly from there to Berlin and played like one of the hugest television shows I've ever played with like Destiny's Child Jesus and like, Christ. you know, just like... The, just total total madness, and then we're you know then we were in Europe for like another month from there, and then came back and probably went on Ozfest. Like if I if the timeline aligns, right. I can't remember. Yeah, God, but so
0: yeah. uh, fuck that's so crazy. With all that TV, did you guys do any? Because like you know, Spring Break that was actually performed. You can even tell just by the the vocals. You know what I mean? Like you could tell that's really being played. But did you guys do any of like the faking it stuff? Like was there any shows where you did that? The,
2: so. The, uh, we did a, remember the show called uh, Farm Club with like Matt Pinfield oh, yeah, yeah, yeah right Matt Pinfield's a great guy. that guy's like a music historian. so he booked us on Farm Club, and Farm Club wasn't entirely set up at first to do it live. so we did we did the TV track thing where you, you know the band's not playing, but the vocals are live with that yeah. you know like and we would do that like a regular hip hop thing, and we had to do that top of the pops used to do it that way as well. And so Top of the Pops, and like, it's like on YouTube, you could see performance of us playing on Top of the Pops where we're like deliberately doing choreographed dance yeah. steps because we're <laughs> just like, it. Yeah. we're not really, but but the vocals were always totally live. But we would push really hard to, you know, always get the opportunity to to play live because yeah. we could. And like, that was, that was one of the things like on OzFest, it was just like, You you know, when when you really break it down, like you know, backstage of everybody, like who really who really kills it Mm. here? You you know, we were one of the two bands. It's just like, yo, that is real shit. Like, there's no vocals on tape, but there's not even tape on every song. Nothing falls off. Like these guys can fucking play. Because people don't.
0: I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize because you know, Crazy Town was so known for that one song, but there was like, I mean, the majority of the stuff was like a lot harder. You know, like, you know, I mean? oh, yeah. it's like a lot heavier shit than than Butterfly. But, you know, Butterfly, again, was such a unique song. And,
2: and also also kind of like, you know, like in association with new metal, not that like I'm taking anything away from the Deftones, one of my favorite bands right. of all time. But I think we were generally like punker than most norm, new right. metal bands. Like, you know, it's like there was there was like a, a punk thing that we were going for in it. Uh, that you know, it's like I don't really hear in you know, Lincoln Park or or not that there's a punk aesthetic to like you yeah, know or wanting al- to you know yeah. make that music.
0: Yeah, but for for sure, yeah,
2: I yeah, I, I, yeah. So
0: let's walk it down now. So after that, when did you when did your time in Crazy Town end? Or kind of what was like the the downfall or not not necessarily downfall, but when did it start kind of like fizzling out when did butterfly eventually kill the band so to speak
2: well i mean the so after butterfly you know and there really was no after butterfly because like we're saying it's like it's still current yeah. right now it's just like you know like the memes that i've posted in the last year are like the funniest thing there's there's the canadian one where they turn all our faces into south park oh. canadians <laughs> and it's like you're my buddy guy, sugar uh. buddy and i was just like do i do, do i get dual citizenship for yeah, this like, yeah, exactly. like you know it's just like and and so we're getting we're getting constantly memed now like 20 years later yeah. which is spectacular you got to make it an nft dude uh, get that but, money
0: <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> crazy town nfts but uh I think uh, you know. I think if the machine, because we ended up doing revolving door as the following single to that, which is a great record. But I think the call really would have been to go to Black Cloud, which is the one where Jay Gordon sings the chorus Mm -hmm. on that gets back more to our core audience. But isn't it? it Wouldn't you wouldn't lose necessarily? It's it's not something that would be on you you know Z one hundred, but it's still. Would be a very popular song at Alternative. Uh, and, you know, it was just none of the radio stations wanted to get, this is when radio really mattered. None of the radio stations wanted to get off Butterfly. They're like, this is still like top three requests at my station. I'm not going to stop yeah. playing this. And so it just extended Butterfly forever, making it, very challenging to try to get. I mean, revolving door was nominated for a VMA in, in Europe, but in the States, like it didn't, it didn't get an opportunity to have the same impact. And then we made uh, the second record, which uh, is a absolutely brilliant record with Howard Benson. Howard and I are still friends. Uh, Mike Blitkoff was the engineer. We're, like we're all still friends, but like at that point in time, it was just like, you need to make a really hard push on a not what you necessarily would expect from us if you don't know. And they kind of just took the soft route. And like, you know, I was reminding myself, like, never put a song on your record that you wouldn't want to have as your Right, because that's going to
0: be the one they're going to pick.
2: Because it, because if it happens, what are you going to do? And uh, so you you know we were still playing some uh, some pretty significant shows then, and uh, but it, it was just like the machine took the pedal off the uh, uh, off right. the metal, and and the mach- and the machine is what helps a lot of this go. Like you know, I've always said you can make the greatest record of all time. It's like it's just a matter of getting people to yeah. hear it. That's really all. Th- that's all it comes down to. So when the machine wasn't really wasn't really, you know, getting after it anymore. Then it kind of like, you know, it sort of fizzled, you know, into, you know, us wanting to do, we had some ideas. I wanted to like, you know, really go totally independent and like, you know, make our own whole world infrastructure like the Cottonmouth Kings did or like ICP. And it's just like, we got fans. But, you know, I feel like Epic and Seth were so, you know, so minded and like you, you have to do this within the industry. And I sort of like saw where yeah, I didn't want going. to take the it risk. And yeah. like, I, I wanted to take all the risks. So then, uh, you, you know, we ended up, you, you know, there was never like an official, we stopped right. doing it. We just all started doing other things. You know, Brett and I were still, you know, writing for other people. Like at that time, like, you know, I wrote, uh, two songs with Tom from plain white T's on every okay. second counts. And 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 uh, you know like so collaborating and writing with other people producing other records scored some TV shows and y- you know it was like so, all I ever wanted to do is make a living making music so didn't really make a right it wasn't like me. sour I, don't, I like, mean did
0: other people in the band kind of handle it more more difficultly like when when things kind of started fit like life after butterfly you know because if I'm not mistaken I think Shifty right he was on like Celebrity Rehab and. Uh, uh,
2: yeah, I, I mean, you know, he, like, it's it's hard for Seth, like, you, you know what I mean, like, if I had to, you, you know, if I had to, you, you know, drive Uber or, you, you know, do something it's like, you, you know, you'd have to be a mega fan in the States to know who right. I am, like, you know, I could, I could get away with that, you still might have an idea, but like, Seth can't get away from himself, where can Seth ever go that he's not, right, shipped? exactly, yeah, right, yeah. so. So, you know, he, you know, he kept going and actually like, you know, I just wrote a song with Seth for uh, the, he has a project called crazy town X right now, which is basically like, like a solo shifty crazy yeah. town. And uh, I, I wrote a great song with them and Howard produced it and Mike engineered it and came up and I played all the guitars on it. And it was super rad. Like one of the coolest things about it is after all this time, it's like, we are all still genuine, genuinely friends. Yeah. Like, uh, like Epic got the Epic posted a picture that he got his vaccine and him and I still work on stuff. And I hit him up right away. I was just like, how the fuck do you do yeah. that? I was like, he was like a volunteer to Costco. I was like, cool. I'm volunteering at yeah. Costco. Right. Like we, like though we don't all talk all the time. Like we, like JBJ, the, the drummer from the first record who lives in Sweden now with the girl that he met when we were on tour. I still talk what to James legend. like what, a number of times what, what a, a year good story. What. A, <laughs> Oh, and he's, and he's playing jazz. I could like over, like still doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he, do you know, he was the drummer on Chuck Mangione's feel so good when he was what? 18 years old. <laughs> that's, that's fucking Like crazy. how about his life story, yeah. right? Uh, but I think it's really cool that there's no beef and we're all uh we're all definitely friends. We all, you know, want to see each other do well. You know, Brett's Brett's doing a lot of uh trailers and, and uh you know, movie score stuff. I think Trouble's doing a bunch of that as well. Uh Dougie's been in some other bands, but Dougie always seems to be okay. Uh and Seth's still uh you know, still working the crazy town hex angle. And I could actually envision like the if if that like really got legs and there was a, a push because the one thing I always wanted to be able to do with it was just get together, go to Europe for a month. Do it again. Yeah. Make some money, play, play some shows because we yeah. can play. And then and then that's it. Like, But, you know, there's always seems to be like this idea of like, you know, reliving it again. And so we're going to be on K-Rock again. And I'm just like, I don't give a fuck about yeah. any of that. I was just like, if we can go play shows and get paid. That yeah, cool yeah. To me. I mean, and it's you know twentieth like, anniversary, uh, I like dude. Sho- it's
0: uh, been twenty years, right?
2: I, I like I like playing shows and I like yeah. getting paid, but like I, I just don't want to think about it anything beyond that. Like you know what I mean? Well, Let that's somebody probably come wise, to us, with you know? Because
0: I mean, th- it is what it is, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit, man. It's been fucking awesome. I'm so glad I got you. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do a limelight tunnel uh, side thing. But before we go, do you have any uh, spring break tales that you'd like to bestow before you take off? Did you ever go to like one of the big like Florida spring breaks or any of that stuff before you played at MTV?
2: Not, be, not before I played, like, you know, it's like my spring t- break tales were more like my, my sister actually was just uh, she was in Miami for work. And there was like this hotel called the Vagabond Hotel. And when my sister and I were like in college or right out of college, like we had this like vagabond life mentality that like, you know, I would like go on spring break somewhere to like Park City, Utah. Right. <laughs> and then my, and, and, and my flights canceled on the way out. And so I'm like, oh, shit. So now I don't have to change my flight fee so I can stay here as long as I want and then like sleep on couches and snowboard the whole time and just bounce around. So like my spring break things are all my sister and I just ending up being able to like extend stays in places, (laughs) have these like amazing, you know, times sort of just bouncing around without like, you you know, and and being able to get away with it. Yeah,
0: no, 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 like three foot daiquiri bongs and, uh, you know, sunburns.
2: Well, I mean, definitely three for a daiquiri bombs <laughs> b- and sunburns. But, uh, it, 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 I mean, I kind of feel like my whole life has been spring break. Like, it's <laughs> like, because like it, it's yeah. like I've been. Like, I, you know, it's like, I, I, have been in bands forever and like, you know, when I, when, when I, when I I stopped going to college and I went back to New York, the band stuff all just took off. That's all the limelight stuff and all of that, like, you know, like nineties, like the glory, you know, years of, of the, the whole, the the whole New York scene. So it was just like, it's been, my work is shows and making music. So it's like, it's all kind of a party. So it's like, you know, like my greatest spring break story didn't happen probably on spring break, right? You know what I mean? It's just like the whole... It's like, you know, when I describe all the times that we used to, you know, go play Europe, I was just like, it's the greatest teen tour of all time, because like, suddenly we're playing in Copenhagen, and the scene comes to us because they're interested in what we're doing. And then you're hanging out in a loft in Copenhagen somewhere that like you would have to like meet people and some have to be in the right bar, like, you you know, it enabled you to like get inside of all of these scenes and all of these different regions around the country and around the whole world. And it was just the coolest thing. So that that's sort of like hanging out with a bunch of people that aren't from a place even though they're all from there we're yeah. not and so like that's kind of that's a really good way to put it the whole thing was spring
0: break. <laughs> well that's awesome and
2: you just got to keep you got to keep your shit together and play and, and kill your shows man. yeah as long as
0: you can do that yeah exactly <laughs> well what what are you up yeah. to now craig uh to tell us about you know liquid draft where we can find your music
2: uh, yeah, so I got a project now. I've been uh, doing it. Sort of like felt, it just fell to me. Like I, I've always loved drum and bass, and so so is epic. And I think a lot of people that uh, you know have been interested in program music have a, an early love for drum and bass. Even a lot of the people that you know play techno and house, like drum and bass, seemed to be the bridge to mm-hmm. that. Like that you could really make this into something. And so I played a set at Burning Man in 2012 uh, that was all drum and bass, and there was like. 500 people there and they wanted to close it down because there were too many bikes in the road. And I was just like, holy shit. I was like, you you, you people want to hear drum and bass? I was like, I'm going to go home and write this record. So I've been doing this Liquid Giraffe thing uh, since then. Uh, You know, just put out a full-length album this year, a a remix album this year, and another EP right before Christmas. It's a really fun uh, place to create in. It's kind of like I have my own massive attack because I can collaborate with whomever I want and uh, and the idea as soon as like you know we're allowed to travel again is i want to get back to europe and i want to start to you, you know do what we were doing in crazy town cuz i really loved that being able to vagabond around the, the around right. europe spring, playing break, shows, you, you know, like, sp- spring break never <laughs> ends you know like spring break never ends
0: <laughs> exactly but yeah. where do we find it you got a, you got a website or, or
2: uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you look uh, look up liquid giraffe, uh, you know, if you, if you Google it or DuckDuckGo or whatever, it, it'll all come up. I'm not hard to find. It's uh, it's on SoundCloud. We uh, do a Sunday show on Twitch called uh, Sunday Sunset uh, with my friend Pollinator, and uh, we basically just talk shit and play tunes for. Until the sun goes down, and and uh, you know, just trying to create a space for that until we can get back in the park doing park parties like we used to, and uh, you, you know, back into right. the desert to do festivals. But you know, uh, as soon as we can get going again, I I, I mean, prior to this, I was playing between b- between the Fast Cat and Liquid Giraffe shows. I was playing like six times right. a week. Like, yeah, right, I remember like when, we, when the great pa- when the great pause happened. It was just like God damn, we were going. Yeah. Off.
0: <laughs> kind of nice to hit the reset button but it's like, uh, also it's it's, it's about it's time to stu- get going again you know
2: it's about yeah we're yeah. almost there we're so we're awesome, so awesome
0: craig well dude thank you so much for being on the show we'll talk soon and uh have a good one pleasure so there it was. There you have it, folks. And also, this is a dump within a dump. Like you guys weren't expecting to get the true story of the song "Butterfly" out of this, but you did. <laughs> yeah. And you have yeah. me to thank for that. You have me and my hours and hours and hours spent at the strip club up the street from my house <laughs> to thank for that. And I knew that something good from <laughs> it would come work. from it. Uh huh. So yeah. what does it a lot all of mean? From that strip club. A lot of good things come from cheetahs. Yeah. I I you know, and I don't vouch for cheetahs anymore. You know, I know it's new management or whatever, but back in the day, yes, it was a, a, a pinnacle part of my of my I almost said childhood. <laughs> Which basically between me between the ages of twenty one to now was childhood. Your your man childhood. Yes, my man childhood. <sighs> So what does it all mean, folks? Well, rites of passages are important, but not when they involve inevitable misbehavior that could and does harm innocent people. It's important to have these large social gatherings, especially at the age when one is discovering themselves. But maybe the motivation needs to change. Let's have fun at spring break instead of making the sole mission to have sex at all costs. It's still Fun. If you go out and dance with your friends and everyone gets wasted and your buddy fucking John gets, you know, throws up and then, you know, your buddy gets his wallet stolen or whatever, everyone's going to walk away from that feeling great. Like they have a story to tell and no one had to hurt anyone. And why spring break is a dump is because people go to this thing that's so like reveled as being this amazing, life-changing, like, oh, you're only young once kind of a thing, and it becomes this dark, seedy, evil deal, which I feel like uh, Harmony Kareem, like... Cap, you know like uh pictured mm-hmm. greatly in the in his film Spring Breakers obviously that film goes to the extremes in a way that you know Spring Break never had been but at least in yeah, that film the girls win you know what i mean cuz very rarely mm-hmm. do the girls win at Spring Break and i think that that's the problem with it and that's why to me Spring Break is a culture dump
1: yeah absolutely and the only thing i have to say that's and again it's you know i I wanted to do it, go to spring break when I was in high school. And you hope that maybe, you know, some things have changed, but I'm not fucking 16 anymore. So I just kind of well, have to go. When I was 16, I would I probably hope that the,
0: nothing had changed.
1: You know, I was like, know, like, oh, yeah, I hope like, that I would all hope, those
0: wet t-shirts right. are there when I get there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's so then it's then you got two guys in their 30s kind of going, well, it's kind of bad. And then that's the that's the 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 appeal of the youth is you're like I want to do the things that all the old fucking farts think hey, is not yeah. okay to do. So <laughs> you're and that's just always going to happen. It's hard to think that, but then yeah, I mean it's kind of like you know like like we, even in a, oh, well, that was kid 90. That was the another, another Patreon thing which we've been ramping up on but yeah basically you know have as much fun as you can without
0: without hurting anyone yeah yes and that's the problem with spring break is people get fucking hurt and if you watch that documentary we talked about the 2017 one um, that it's a perfect fucking example of how evil it is you know it's 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 super 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 gross yeah liberated the new sexual revolution they they kind of try and frame spring break as like as what we just did as a rite of passage where young people come and it follows this group of like australian guys who come to america with visions of wet t-shirts and available sex like in their in their eyes and they come here and they just treat people like trash and that's not okay uh, and that's it's up to me that is what spring break is even the real Cancun doesn't frame it in such a negative light as as the, the other film but anyways folks that's it for spring break I hope you enjoyed it I want to thank Craig Tyler aka Liquid Giraffe for being on uh, that, that was great I can't believe that we got someone that played butterfly at mtv spring break <laughs> on the amazing. show i was sitting Pleasure. on that one for so long waiting <laughs> waiting for a reason yeah. to, to bring him on <laughs> but anyways go ahead and follow us on instagram at culture dumps if you have a suggestion because we do make them into episodes much like we did with this episode send it on over to culturedumps at gmail.com and for exclusive podcast 99 and culture dumps material sign up for patreon.com slash culture dumps I'm Ryan
1: Lichten and I'm Parks Miller
0: and if you ate it up, we dump it out.